0: Right, what's up guys, Jay Martin here. Welcome to another one of my weekly rants. Uh, today I wanna to talk about portfolio construction because I've had a lot of people email me asking about how I'm weathering my, this storm, right? In the speculative market, I invest aggressively in junior mining equities and that market has been, been smashed. So how am I weathering this? And my answer is balance, balance, right? The only reason I'm comfortable speculating is because I know what I have in the treasury. All right, so that's what I wanna talk about today. Unless you have the hard assets stored away, I don't know why you're throwing cash at penny stocks. It's not a good idea, all right? Everything I say today, none of is investment advice. I don't do that. Let's get into it. Now, I wanna start this one with a funny news story that I imagine a lot of you heard. It was like a month ago now. There was an armed robber, a gun-wielding robber that broke into a jewelry store in Bangkok, Thailand, and ran off with $70,000 in gold. Now, he was eventually captured by the police, and when he was captured and interrogated, he said the reason he broke into the jewelry store and stole $70,000 worth of gold was to cover his losses in the crypto market. Now, I'm just gonna let that one marinate for a second, and let's think about that story. It may come up again uh, later on in this rant. All right, now if you tune into mainstream media, there are bubbles crashing everywhere, right? And you don't just have to look at media to see this. The equity market is in free fall, the crypto market is in free fall, and most pundits agree that the real estate market is next. So I'm not here to dispute whether or not this stuff will be as severe. Are we entering a global recession? Uh, How widespread will the crash be, all this stuff. I'm not here to dispute that. I ask a more important question when I see things like this occurring, and that is, does it actually matter to me? And that answer is far less simple. Now, if you're betting on a 10% return this quarter and the market's down 70%, then yeah, yeah, it matters to you, all right? But it doesn't matter so much if your portfolio's down year to date 70%, but your time horizon is 10 years, okay? So today I wanna talk about that. It all depends on what game you're playing. And every seasoned investor knows that the true cost of green days is red days. Right, There are no risk-free rewards. You have to pay a tax for that gain, not just the government tax, but the mental tax of watching your portfolio correct before continuing to do, hopefully, what you have conviction it will eventually do. Right, So time horizon really, really matters. So why does time horizon matter? Well, if a 40-year bet on the S&P 500 in 1982 Would have been a brilliant decision, as would a 20 year bet in 2002 or a 10 year bet in 2012 or a five year bet in 2017. But for all these bets, the returns came with a cost, not financial, but emotional. The costs were seasons of plummeting stock prices, scary uncertainty and unrestrained ridicule from I told you so doom and gloom pundits. Investors that held on and paid those emotional costs, they were were rewarded, right? So the question we all have to ask ourselves when the market and the world is in free fall is can we pay that cost, right? Can we hold strong in our conviction or move in on something when it's cheap, when everyone's telling us it's a bad idea. And in theory, we all say, yes, of course I would have no problem ignoring short term volatility, knowing that my time horizon renders this a minor event in theory. But in practice, when that bill comes due and your net worth drops 20%, that's another story. Now market crashes result from investors not wanting to pay that bill. So, they panic sell at the bottom. Prices fall and more panic sell at the new bottom. So, here's a theory the markets have fallen dramatically, but I don't think they've crashed. The SP 500 is down roughly uh, 20% as I write this, but the chart doesn't look like a crash. Uh, in fact, it looks more like a relatively orderly, albeit consistent sell off. It's not looked like a panic free fall. So if I were to speculate, I would say that the bill hasn't come due for many, many investors yet. And if it does, then we'll see a significant plummet. But I asked the same question again, does that matter to me, right? See my note above. So it's a hot potato game. When the market crashes, pundits talk about the mass destruction of wealth. This year, the crypto crash has wiped out about $2 trillion in wealth. Another five trillion has been lost in stocks. And these numbers make great headlines, but they're a little bit misleading because to sell an asset, you must buy something else, right, an exchange has to occur. And most frequently, when stocks are sold, we buy U.S. dollars. And as a consequence, like we're seeing now, as share prices fall, the U.S. dollar goes up. So. Let's run through a scenario. If you had invested $100,000 in JT Company and the price of JT Company shares dropped by 90%, to you, it feels like your $100,000 was destroyed. But in reality, it's actually quite safe. Unfortunately, whoever sold you the JT Company shares has it now and you still have the shares in JT Company worthless relative to the dollars that you paid for them as they may be, you still have the asset you purchased and the seller still has your money. So I find it to be a useful exercise whenever buying stocks to ask two questions. Number one, why do the seller and I disagree about the value of this asset, right? Why are they wanting to sell it if I think it's a good buy? And number two, what is my competitive advantage in this transaction? And if I don't have one, then I have to think really hard about what I'm doing here. Now framed like this, buying shares in a bull market makes way less sense than buying shares in a bear market. As a general rule of thumb, buying anything from a seller who is in a position of strength, meaning that they're earning profits, is less favorable than buying from a seller in distress. Now there's lots of sellers in distress right now, but I don't think distress has fully hit the market yet. And in every market cycle, rally, crash, recovery, trillions of dollars of wealth are transferred from reactive investors to patient ones who are playing the long game. So which one do you want to be? Now, in the penny stock business, liquidity can be so thin, right? That's where I play, Right, the speculative market. That In a bear market, investors often get trapped at the bottom. No buyers whatsoever at any price for the shares they want to sell. Those are treacherous waters, so beware. But what about the gold market? The most common question I receive from subscribers right now is, why isn't gold performing given all the global uncertainty and market crashes? Now, since February, gold is actually up in Canadian dollars. British pounds. It's up in euros. It's way up in Bitcoin and significantly up relative to U.S. equities. It's relatively flat in U.S. dollars. So gold not being up, you know, we know this now. It's not a gold story. It's a U.S. dollar story. I recommend people hang tight. You know I like gold. Now, I interview three to four money managers weekly for my YouTube channel and podcast, and I ask everybody where they're allocating cash right now. And when I hear consensus and thesis, that's when I get excited knowing that there's an avalanche of money moving towards one thing. I could interview 12 different money managers, hear 15 different ideas, but when I start to hear one common denominator, as in one asset class, that everybody is kind of an agreeance on that they're allocating a small amount of capital or a large amount to one thing, that's when I get excited. Collectively, that means a tsunami of money is moving towards one asset and I know what to do in that scenario. So right now I am hearing the sentiment beginning to build for gold. It's not there yet. But i'm not referring to gold bug investors i listen to them with a weary ear as they do any dogmatic investor right i'm referring to like generalist fund managers the agnostic money i wouldn't call it enthusiastic towards gold but more and more frequently these days i'm hearing people say it's time to have a non-zero position in gold or they're putting some cash in gold for lack of a better idea and that might be a tide coming in so right now i'm looking hard at gold producers, mid-tier producers. This is not investment advice. I don't do that. My time horizon is longer than yours. All right. I'm also buying Bitcoin. Call me crazy, right? But I'm buying Bitcoin right now. I hadn't bought any Bitcoin in in over a year and a half, but I started reallocating cash there about a month and a half ago. Now, I wasn't early to Bitcoin, right? I started dollar cost averaging in in the spring of 2020 when 90% of my guests, same thing, began pushing money that way. I had a bunch of generalist fund managers on and all of them, to some uh, more or less degree, we're allocating a bit of cash towards crypto. They wanted to have a non-zero position, so I decided to have a non-zero position. I wasn't early; this was the spring of 2020, and I still believed at that point that that crypto or Bitcoin was way too young of a technology to determine what it might become. Right. So what I did was commit to a five-year time horizon with minimal cash every month. However. When Bitcoin hit $20,000 per coin, I thought I was getting way too frothy. So I parked myself on the sidelines and stopped purchasing for a while. Obviously, it ended up going way higher. The position in my portfolio, therefore, turned into a much more significant percentage than I intended. And of course, I was tempted to cash out, right? But I recalled my rule when I began buying. I would not try to time the market. I would increase my position with an immaterial amount of cash every month, and then ride out the inevitable seventy percent drawdowns that have always happened since crypto's uh, creation. Right now, I don't know what Bitcoin w- will become. This is not this is not what this is about. Right, and maybe it'll become nothing more than a speculation. But if so, it's a speculation that the entire world can participate in, and therefore bolstered by the network effect. You know, the connected network of users, keeping the ecosystem alive, the same underlying value of the world's most prominent social media platforms. It's enough to make me curious. But here's my point to all my readers who are still stuck on choosing team gold or team Bitcoin. Be careful about loving your asset because I guarantee you that asset will never love you back. I am comfortable speculating in Bitcoin because I own gold physical gold. That's what the robber should have done. He should have robbed the jewelry store first, got the gold before he went speculating in the crypto market. Then maybe he could have ridden out this crash with a calm mind, all right? Physical metal gives me the confidence to be patient and make better decisions, right? Regular watchers of my show often see this shell. It's just symbolic to me. It's 100 ounces of silver, compliments of uh, Silver Gold Bull, a Canadian bullion dealer. Love the work they do. I think they owe me some money like many years ago and And I said, I'll take some of it in silver. So they sent me this shell, which is just so badass, I love it. Anyways, that's portfolio balance the way I look at it, right? If you don't have the hard asset in the safe, right, the foundation of of bricks and rock, then what are you doing building sandcastles? Don't build sandcastles unless you have a safe full of gold. All right, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor. Follow or subscribe to this podcast.